Hello, listeners. I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. On this show, we walk you through stories illustrating the horror, the weirdness, and the truth behind these persistent beliefs. Today's superstition comes to us in the form of a cutesy yet gruesome little rhyme. Have you heard this one? Don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. And for the dads, there's the lesser-known variation, don't step on a line or you'll break your father's spine. The rules of this superstition are as straightforward as they are dramatic. The health of a parent seems a steep price to pay for an accidental misstep, but that's superstitions for you. Perhaps it's the downright horrifying stakes of this rhyme that's caused it to stick around for so long. It's unclear exactly how old it is, but it's been traced to at least the late 1800s, where the rhyme we all know was significantly more… well… racist. The original version warned that if you stepped on a crack, your baby would be black. The fact that this would have been considered a stroke of bad luck points to the underlying cultural anxieties surrounding interracial marriage, which didn't become fully legal in the United States until 1967. Thankfully, that version of the superstition seems to have largely faded, but the rhyme itself remains. In every form, it comes back to the idea that interacting with a physical crack in the world will lead to some kind of rift in your personal life. Sometimes the consequences are relatively light. A less crippling variation connects the number of cracks that a person steps on to the number of plates they'll break that day. But sometimes, they're absolutely horrific. Any way you slice it, stepping on cracks seems like a bad idea. Our story today explores how one wrong step can have consequences of seismic proportions. As the saying goes, there's more than one way to break your mother's back. In a moment, the cracks start to show. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Mitch was impressed when he first laid eyes on his mother's new room at the Sandy Shores Senior Living Facility. Just like the website had promised, it was spacious and sleek with a panoramic view of Monterey Bay. His mother, though, was thoroughly unimpressed. As she had reminded him multiple times on the drive down, Mitch had more than enough room for her in his San Francisco home. He even had a standalone guesthouse, all paid for by his high-powered tech job. 
The way she saw it, packing her off to an old folks' home meant that her only son didn't care about her at all. But as Mitch reminded her, he was setting her up in a senior living facility because he cared. He simply wasn't home enough to give her the attention she needed. The tech job that paid for his house also ensured that he hardly ever saw it. Sandy Shores was the best senior living that money could buy. If she ever needed help, the facility staff would be there, day or night. Her every need would be met. She'd be happy and safe. And Mitch would be able to visit frequently since he was just a short drive away. But if Mitch was honest with himself, there was another reason he thought Sandy Shores was a good idea. His dad had passed away a few years back, and ever since then, things had been difficult between the two of them. His father had been the glue holding the family together, the sun at the center of their little galaxy. Without his gravitational pull, he and his mother didn't know how to talk to each other. And Mitch hated to admit it, but seeing the sadness in her eyes was a constant reminder of what they'd both lost. As a distraction from his melancholy thoughts, Mitch busied himself directing the team of movers as they set up his mother's furniture. One of the men bent over to pick up a box, exposing his… lower back. Mitch averted his gaze, watching as another man unpacked a large, framed portrait of him with his mother and father smiling on the beach. His father stood in the center like he always had. A small smile came to Mitch's lips. But then… Mitch saw the mover stumble. He lunged forward to try to catch the picture, but it was too late. The frame went crashing to the ground. Mitch winced as the mover sheepishly turned the picture over, revealing an awful crack right down the middle, splitting his dad's image. Mitch barely listened to the mover's apology. He was suddenly taken by a strange feeling in his chest. More than just annoyance or even guilt. It was a bizarre certainty that the broken picture was more than a moving accident. It felt like some kind of sign. After a moment, Mitch shook himself out of his reverie and accepted the apology. He'd have his assistant arrange a repair later. Fortunately, the rest of the move-in went off without a hitch. About an hour later, all of his mother's belongings were unpacked and arranged. Mitch was just about to say his goodbyes and head out when his mother took his hand. This was something she hadn't done in years. When she spoke, her voice was so soft that Mitch had to lean in to hear. I know things have been hard since your father… She trailed off. But if I stayed with you, I wouldn't be a burden. We could keep each other company, take care of each other. Mitch chuckled a bit as he said, I'm a grown man, Mom. I don't need you to take care of me. He immediately regretted his tone when he saw her shoulders slump in defeat. She looked away, but he could tell she wasn't taking in the breathtaking view. Mitch said as apologetically as he could, I'm sorry. I'll call you when I get back. He leaned in to kiss her on the cheek, but she turned away, wiping at her eye. Mitch checked his watch. It broke his heart to leave her like that, but he had to get back to San Francisco to prepare for a Monday meeting. On his way out, he gave her a final reassurance. This arrangement was best for them. She'd see. As Mitch crossed the parking lot to where his sleek electric SUV was charging, he told himself that his mother would come around. 
She just needed time to adjust. He was so lost in thought that he didn't notice a jagged crack in the asphalt. The next thing Mitch knew, he was falling. His shoe had caught the edge of the crack, causing him to trip. He threw his arms out to break his fall and heard a crunch as he hit the pavement. Struggling to his feet, Mitch looked down at his watch and saw that the face was shattered. Any other day, he would have been wearing his expensive Apple Watch, but this morning, he put on his old leather band analog. It had been a gift from his mother when he graduated from college, and she always smiled when she saw it on him. It was one easy way to make her happy. He didn't have enough of those. Oh well, he could probably find a model that looks similar enough. As he climbed into his SUV, he unbuckled the watch and tossed it into the back seat. By the time Mitch merged onto the 101, he had almost completely forgotten about his spill. He had the sunroof open and the car's state-of-the-art sound system cranked up to 11. There was nothing like a nice drive to clear his head. It was times like this when the luxury car was worth every penny of the exorbitant price tag. But just as he was really starting to relax, he felt his car rumble beneath him, like he was suddenly off-roading on rocky terrain. Mitch frowned. There must be something wrong with the car's suspension, which was irritating. It was brand new. He was telling Siri to remind him to call the dealership when the bouncing and jostling intensified. That's when he realized his car wasn't malfunctioning. It was the road. Other cars were shaking and rocking too. Pine trees in the distance swayed and power lines bounced. Mitch gripped the steering wheel tighter and told himself to remain calm. This was California after all, and right along the San Andreas Fault to boot. Earthquakes happened from time to time. It was the price one paid for the perfect weather and gorgeous scenery. Any moment now, the shaking would pass, and he'd start getting the usual texts from his friends. Did you feel that one? And maybe I might have just bumped my desk. And of course, ah, oh, I missed it again. But even as Mitch tried to reassure himself, he felt the shaking intensify further. Even with his car's top-of-the-line shock absorption, it seemed like he was riding some kind of roller coaster. This was unlike any other quake he'd felt before. Soon, the bucking and shaking got so bad that traffic came to a halt. The moment he shifted his car into park, Mitch's mind went to his mother. He'd probably get a call from her any moment, insisting that this was why she shouldn't be in a senior home over a hundred miles from him. Just thinking about the conversation exhausted him. Just then, Mitch glanced up at his rearview mirror and caught sight of something that made his blood run cold. A ways behind him, it seemed like cars were disappearing, just dropping away out of sight two at a time, like the crest of some bizarre wave, a wave that was only getting closer by the second. Mitch had no idea where the cars were going, but he knew he didn't want to be next. He shifted into drive, swerving onto the shoulder to avoid the rows of cars stopped ahead of him. Mitch pushed his electric car for all it was worth, ignoring the insistent beeps that warned him against his dangerous driving. He had a sinking suspicion about what was happening on the road behind him, but he told himself not to look back. Mitch drove for several minutes before he risked stopping. When the quaking finally eased up, he pulled over, locked his car, and started walking back the way he came. A few minutes later, he stopped. 
If he didn't know better, he would have thought he took a wrong turn and somehow wound up in Arizona. Because where just a minute earlier the 101 North had continued in an unbroken line, there was now a gaping chasm on par with the Grand Canyon. The wave of disappearing cars had been vehicles falling into the massive crack as it opened up in the Earth's crust. Just then, his phone started buzzing in his pocket as a flurry of texts came in. He didn't have to look to know that this time, no one would wonder if they just bumped their desk or bemoan missing out on the excitement. Everyone, from San Francisco to Los Angeles, would have felt this earthquake. And Mitch had a horrible, sinking feeling that his nightmare was just getting started. Coming up, Mitch traverses the granddaddy of all cracks to save his mother. The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Mitch stared at the canyon that had just opened up as far as the eye could see. The horror of it all still had yet to properly sink in. Without really processing what he was doing, he took out his phone and snapped a picture. Then he started going through his texts. Friends up and down the coastline were panicking, but what worried him most was the people he hadn't heard from. One in particular. There were no calls or texts from his mother. A wave of fresh horror washed over Mitch. His mother would have just experienced the same powerful earthquake he had. She would be terrified. So why wasn't she calling? Mitch took a deep breath and tried to calm himself. There was a perfectly reasonable explanation. His mother was an avowed Luddite who refused to use the cell phone he'd given her. It probably wasn't even charged. He tried calling it and sure enough, it went straight to voicemail. Next, Mitch tried dialing Sandy Shaw's senior living facility, but that call got him a busy signal. Still, a perfectly reasonable explanation. Either their phone line was down or the grid was jammed with other emergency calls. But try as he might, Mitch couldn't stop his mind from conjuring images of the demolished senior home. Was his mother all right? Was she injured? Was she alone when the quake hit? He had promised that she would be safe, that if she ever needed him, he was only a phone call and a short drive away. 
But now that a crack the size of the Grand Canyon stood between Mitch and his mother, keeping his promise was going to be… complicated. And speaking of complications, just then, the earth began to rumble again. Of course, a quake of that magnitude would have aftershocks, Mitch realized. But even this was more powerful than anything Mitch had experienced in his 50 years in California. Mitch raced back to his car, struggling to keep his balance on the shaking ground. He could see huge cracks spreading in the concrete overpasses above him. It was only a matter of time before they gave way. It was time to get out of there, stat. He switched on his car radio, where frazzled newscasters were breathlessly reporting the latest developments. He was desperate to hear where the epicenter had been, if Monterey had been hit hard, but the facts were still frustratingly thin. Apparently, the earthquake had shattered every kind of record for magnitude. Geologists struggled to describe it because it was literally off the Richter scale. The damage was similarly off the charts. Scientists were using drones and satellite imaging to survey the full picture, but it seemed like the quake had created a massive crack in California, running along the San Andreas Fault for hundreds of miles. Driving back to his mother was out of the question. Still, Mitch had to get to her. For the moment, he continued driving north toward San Francisco. Perhaps once he got to the city, he could find some kind of boat to take him down to Monterey. That way, he could avoid dealing with the worst of the damage on land, but then Mitch remembered an article he'd read about large quakes causing tsunamis. Even if he was willing to risk that horror, it would probably take too long. For all he knew, his mother could be trapped or injured right now. Time was of the essence. It seemed to him the most direct way was to fly over somehow. He doubted that local commercial flights would be taking off anytime soon, which didn't leave him a lot of options. Suddenly, an idea popped into his head. He remembered a young founder who had come in to pitch his company a few weeks back. The guy was barely 20 years old and desperate to prove he had some kind of clout, so he overcompensated by arriving at the meeting by private helicopter. Apparently, there was some kind of Uber-style app for chartering them. Mitch and his co-workers had laughed about it after the meeting, saying that no one ever needed to book a helicopter at the drop of a hat. But at the moment, Mitch needed exactly that. He shouted at his car's voice-activated navigation system to take him to the app's nearest pickup point. Blessedly, it was in Half Moon Bay, which wasn't too far away. But still, getting there was far from smooth sailing. He had to take endless detours around roads that were choked with cars or unpassable due to rubble from collapsed buildings. The scope of the damage sent chills down his spine. The state would be recovering from the quake for years to come. The real estate market would plummet and take the value of Mitch's house with it. But he couldn't worry about that now. He arrived at the parking lot at the private airport just in time to see a greying man in a pilot's uniform briskly walking away from the airstrip. Relieved to see someone who might be able to help, Mitch waved him down. In a rush, Mitch explained his situation, that he had to get to Monterey as soon as possible, that he needed to make sure his mother was okay. The pilot didn't even slow down. He said he was sorry, he wasn't taking anyone up today, he had his own family to think about. But Mitch 
wasn't about to take no for an answer. You're a family man, I get that, Mitch said. My mom's all I have, and I just put her in a home. I I left her there all alone, and we didn't leave on good terms. I, I have to get back to her to make sure she's all right. In any other situation, he might have been embarrassed to break down like this. But if his tears made the pilot take pity on him, it was worth it. The pilot stopped walking, and Mitch pressed on. I can pay you. Anything you want. Mitch caught the pilot's eyes flick to his car behind him. He didn't hesitate to reach in his pocket and pull out the keys. You like my car? Mitch said. Get me to Monterey, and it's yours. The pilot thought about that for a second, taking a long, hard look at the sleek vehicle. Finally, he relented. All right. For your mom and the car. Mitch eagerly followed the pilot to a black chopper on a landing pad. After a few safety checks, they donned their headphones and lifted off. What should have been a majestic bird's eye view of the bay was marred by the extensive damage. It was even more devastating from the air. If Half Moon Bay fared this poorly, he shuddered to think what Monterey looked like. Less than 30 minutes later, Mitch didn't have to wander. In the fading light, Mitch directed the pilot to Sandy Shores using the roads he'd taken earlier that day as a reference. It blew his mind to think that just a few hours ago they had been pristine, lined by charming mission-style buildings. Now, most everything lay in shambles, unrecognizable. Finally, Mitch recognized a hill he'd passed after leaving Sandy Shores. The senior facility was just beyond it. He held his breath, preparing himself for the worst. But as the helicopter soared over the ridge, Mitch let out a joyful laugh. The building looked just as it had that morning. A street lamp had fallen in the parking lot, damaging a few of the cars, but otherwise, Sandy Shores had been spared. As soon as the helicopter touched down, Mitch was off and running toward the facility. The lobby was a scene of barely managed chaos. Residents crowded around the front desk, pleading with a harried receptionist who kept trying to explain that her phone was down too. She gave Mitch a surprised look as he pushed his way to the front. Mitch Crane, my mother's a resident, I need to see her. The receptionist looked relieved for an excuse to leave her desk. If you'll just wait here for a moment, I'll find a staff member to take you back to her apartment. Then she stood and hurried off into the back office. Mitch moved to the side of the lobby, away from the crowd of older residents. For the first time in hours, he breathed a sigh of relief. In a few moments, he'd be with his mom. She'd know he hadn't abandoned her. He looked down, and something gave him pause. There was a thin, hairline crack across the floor tile he was standing on. Mitch stared at it, suddenly uneasy again, though he couldn't say exactly why. Then, he felt it. The tremor was so slight, Mitch thought it might be in his head. Then, the walls were swaying. The floor shook violently, almost as if a truck had struck the building. Lights flickered and flashed. There was a loud crash, residents screamed, and then Mitch's world turned upside down. Mitch blinked and coughed out dust. His head hurt, but he felt no other serious injuries. 
he pushed himself to his feet. The scene was utter chaos. One of the lobby walls had collapsed, flattening the front desk and the chair where the receptionist had been seated earlier. Mitch's ears rang with the sounds of distant sirens, pained moans, and urgent shouts. Then there was an ominous creaking as what was left of the building threatened to give way. Mom, Mitch whispered. He started to run. He raced through partially collapsed hallways, taking whatever route he could. Several times, he passed caretakers who were valiantly trying to pull residents out from the rubble. The wing where his mother's room was located was inaccessible, blocked by rubble. A kind-faced staff member with a cut on her forehead warned Mitch that it wasn't safe to go in. She had just fought her way out of that wing and the roof looked ready to cave in at any moment. They needed to head for the exit before another aftershock brought the entire building to its knees. Mitch ignored her and started shifting fallen debris out of the way, one piece at a time. He had to get to his mother, had to talk to her again. He couldn't leave things like they had. As Mitch crawled through the crumbling building, he called out his mother's name until his throat was raw. He didn't hear anything in response, just the occasional crashes as more parts of the building fell down. It was hard to tell since he'd only been to the facility once before, but he thought he should be getting close to where his mother's room was, and he didn't see or hear any signs of survivors. Mitch took another step and heard a crunch of glass. He looked down and realized what he'd stepped on. It was the picture from his mom's room. The one of him, his mother, and father on the beach, smiling. Mitch fell to his knees as he failed to fight back a sob. He clutched the picture to his chest, not caring that the broken glass cut his hands. Just then, he heard something. It was so faint, he couldn't be sure if his ears were playing a trick on him. But no, there it was again. Mitchell? It was his mother's voice, weakly calling his name. A flood of relief washed over Mitch. He continued crawling his way through the rubble, following. He flipped over a piece of a heavy door and saw his mother's body, laying face down on the ground. Her voice had a faraway quality when she said, You came back. His vision was blurry with tears. Of course I did. I'm going to get you out of here. Mitch reached down to pick her up, but he could not budge her. His heart sank when he saw why. There was a large, wooden beam lying across her back. He had no idea if he could move it on his own, but there wasn't any time to try and get help, so Mitch squatted down for leverage and gripped the beam. Then he heaved. It didn't budge. The building started to violently shake. Another aftershock. Mitch tried to get a better angle, but he still couldn't shift the beam. Meanwhile, chunks of ceiling started to come loose and crash to the floor. They didn't have much longer. His mother whispered weakly for him to get out of there, to save himself, but Mitch refused. He wasn't going to leave her. Not this time. He repositioned his grip on the beam and began to pull upwards. His muscles screamed. Sweat soaked his shirt, but he kept pulling until he felt the beam shift. 
With a final Herculean effort, he lifted it clear of his mother's body before letting it drop to the side with a crash. Yet another aftershock rocked the facility's foundation as Mitch carefully cradled his mother in his arms and carried her out. They just barely managed to make it clear of the building before the entire structure came crashing down. Mitch gently laid his mother down on the grassy lawn outside. He collapsed next to her, completely drained. Mom, I'm so sorry I left you here, Mitch said. You were right. It was selfish of me. I have no idea if my house is still standing, but whatever happens next, wherever we have to go, we'll be together. We'll take care of each other, just like you said. His mother silently took his hand in hers, and Mitch held on tight. The warning against stepping on cracks has stuck around for over a century, if not longer, which indicates that there may be more to this superstition than just a catchy rhyme. Dr. Philip Stevens, a professor of anthropology and an expert in superstitions, describes this as the principle of contact or contagion. As he puts it, things that have been in direct contact with other things retain that contact after they are separated. The crack is damaged, and by stepping on the crack, you may transfer some of that damage onto yourself. What's peculiar about the modern versions of the rhyme is that it doesn't just transfer the damage to the person who physically steps on the crack, but to their mother or father. In past episodes, we've seen how superstitions manifest around cultural anxieties, so perhaps this one points to concerns about our responsibility to protect our parents. Different cultures grapple with this issue in vastly different ways, with some children welcoming older parents into multi-generational homes and others outsourcing elder care to specialized facilities. Whatever the approach, it's a complicated issue that can bring up feelings of guilt, stress, and resentment for everyone involved. There's no easy answers or single right way to care for an aging parent, but in the end, we all want our loved ones to be safe and to be able to mend any cracks in our relationships. Maybe heeding the lines on the sidewalk reminds us that as we walk forward in our lives, we never really leave home. And even if we don't want it to, a misstep on our part might harm those we love. So, tread carefully. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We will be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Noni Okologu, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. 